is the Big Church Podcast. So, Refuge, can we give them a big Kentucky welcome? Ryan and Lindsey Flanagan. What's going on, Refuge? How y'all doing tonight? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, hey. This is my side. Hey. Sorry. Oh, this, this is, is my side. Sorry. <laughs> it's my sorry. good side. Hey, guys. We are so excited to be here. We love relationship goals. We remember doing this a while ago, and lots has changed about our relationship. We added two little mini uses. Uh, there they are up there. That's Journey Lee down by my uh, waist, and then there's Paxton James with his eyes closed. He's probably, honestly, looking for a donut. <laughs> That's probably what he was doing, because he always is eating, but man, God has been great, and right in here is baby Harlow, mm. yeah. our daughter. I'm claiming that name right now. Yeah, we Amen. haven't picked a name yet. Amen, He's... Harlow is the name. Okay, Harlow. Harlow's it. Okay. All I right. think it's funny, Harlow. though, yep, that... Harlow. Okay, Harlow. moving okay. on. I think it's funny that we were here four years ago talking about marriage because we had only been married for a year. We absolutely knew nothing. Nothing. Um, so <laughs> I hope that you guys... Um, we apologize come... to all the failed relationships. Yeah, there. if anything happened... <laughs> During that time in relationships and work in your life, please forgive us. We only had one year under our belt. And so we're hoping that um, that through this conversation tonight that we can shed some light on what we've learned in the last couple of years yeah. with children in ministry. And we're excited to do that. Do you, should we sit? Absolutely. Okay. Sit first. It's, <laughs> okay. It's the gentleman thing to do. All right. Awesome. Even though it doesn't matter if she sits first because I know that women can do whatever they want and so I'm just I'm just offering her to sit first <laughs> okay so we're gonna talk about um, just kind of like what what you should be doing so I know like you guys had the pillow talk and you guys had the marriage conference and it's like everything is geared towards marriage what about the single people right I get it Right. And so we want to kind of just give you uh, just some some tools that you can put in your belt um, that you can use as a single person or a person who's maybe engaged and kind of like how you should live. So, Lindsay, I'm going to let you talk for a little bit and, yeah, you know, sure. give some of your wisdom because I, I know I learned a lot from you, baby. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so what we what we were talking about as we were planning for like just coming here and talking about to this community, I know that there's a lot of youth and young adults in here. And so some of you probably aren't married or you're in your journey uh, towards marriage. And we're going to talk tonight about what preparation for marriage look like in our lives and so we just want to have a vulnerable conversation with you about some of the things that we face some of the challenges uh, that we went through some of the practical things anybody love practical things I just I need to know like t give me a list on what to do so I can actually do this thing um, and so we're gonna just go over three things before the ring I'm gonna talk about three different things in my life that was super helpful before meeting Ryan and before getting engaged um, if you don't know my story basically I was just come up with that three things before the ring we've always had that that was awesome you're was welcome genius. I know I He's write all genius. of his sermons too oh so um, <laughs> um, so three things before the ring. I think that some of you know who I am. Some of you have already started reading my book, so you might feel a little bit uh, connected to me or understand a little bit more about my story. Uh, but basically, I was just real jacked up for a lot of years of my life. And um, if you read my story, you'll know that I went through a lot. I was a pastor's kid, went through a failed marriage uh, with my parents. My dad lived a homosexual lifestyle. I was torn between living for God and and doing what I wanted to do for so many years of my life. I had been physically assaulted. I was in a lot of messed up relationships. And so I had a lot of trauma leading up into my young adult years. Um, and I came with a lot of baggage, or that's kind of how I felt when I was meeting my husband. And um, one of the things that was really important for me before the ring, before finding my person, was making sure that 
I had become whole and healed by God in order to be in a relationship that was actually healthy. Um, and so I was even talking to Mindy, and I really just felt so strong this morning as um, we were just in worship, and I was just uh, really hearing from the Holy Spirit, and he was just really showing me that we've normalized um, dysfunction in our lives. We've normalized that some things are just okay, that this is just the way society is, this is just how we act in marriage, this is just how we are in relationships, we're just going to be obsessive, compulsive, controlling, and that's all we've ever known, so that's what we're going to do. And even though the Bible shows us how to love and gives us the attributes of love, we still default to the dysfunctions that we were either raised in or that we saw in our life, and whatever the world defined as love or whatever felt like love at one moment, we go back and we try to cling to that one thing. And um, so I, I really had to make sure that I was like walking in wholeness and healing. And it took a couple years of really just surrendering everything to God and walking that out. Um, but mainly leading up until marriage, I had I had been on my faith journey for a couple years at that point. Um, but the main thing for me before meeting my husband that, that was prominent to just my relationship with God and what he wanted me to do is that he really wanted me to already be walking in my purpose before I met my husband. I think that a lot of singles wait to meet their their spouse or they think that they have to have a spouse in order to do what it is that God has called you to do, especially the women in this room, because it is really hard, especially if you feel called by God to get a ministry position when you're a single young adult. Um, and that's just the reality of uh, society. That's just the reality of how things work. You don't always just walk into a position. Typically, ministry positions are for couples and married couples. And I always felt like I just want to preach the gospel and I just want to do all these things for God. I just want to help women. I just want them to understand their identity in Christ. And I didn't yet know how to do that. And I was trying to figure that out. But God showed me uh, when I was in college in Dallas, Texas, he gave me the ministry unmask and he told me to start doing it. And all I wanted when I lived in Dallas, Texas was a boyfriend. <laughs> like, I literally was like in ministry school, like, God, where is he? There's no black guys here. <laughs> Nobody dresses good. I was so stressed. Like, I just knew that this season of Dallas, Texas was to meet my husband and there, there was none to be found. And so I was like, okay, he brought me here. My husband's not here. And, but really what it was is that he wanted to use that year to birth Unmask in my life. And if I had had a relationship any earlier, even though everybody in college was dating and everybody had already found their person, I would have never been obedient to the Holy Spirit. And so what I had to do is God called me back to my hometown back where everyone knew the real me, the real Jenny from the block, went home and had to see all the people that I partied with, all the people that knew the, the worst sides of me and start a ministry in my hometown. Um, and I did that by starting women's groups and small groups and it turned into uh, women's conferences and then it turned into having it in other cities. And so really something that was so important uh, just to reiterate is that God required me to start walking in my calling before I met my spouse. And so if you have something that you feel like God has called you to do. You need to just do that. Um, does, you don't need to focus on, well, maybe maybe I need to move here. Or maybe I need to join this. Or maybe I need to do that while I'm figuring out. No, you just need to do what God has asked you to do for the season that you're in. And he will bring your spouse in the right timing. And I think that what we try to do, um, kind of like Ryan was talking about, we don't want to build roots because we want to be ready. Like, well, what if my spouse is in this city? Then I want to be able to bounce and go do that. Like, you just need to build roots where you are. And you just need to be faithful to what God has for you right now in this season. Uh, and you just need to do what he's asked you to do because that is, he's looking for your yes. If he knows that he can trust you with the small things then he'll bring the right things. And he knew that if he could trust me to start the ministry, to disciple the women, to preach this message of unmask and go out and tell people this message that he could trust me with a relationship. And so that was really important. That's my first thing before the ring that I just wanted to share with 
with you about. Uh, the second thing that was really important for me in my walk and my journey is that I had to be serving the local church. And I hope that everyone in this room that comes to Refuge, that comes to Big Church, that you don't just come to come and observe, but that you actually get plugged into your local church. Um, what we do as young adults, as, as people that don't really have a lot of strings attached, is that we come and we show up and we take and we have a consumer mindset and we don't want to plan roots in, ca- roots in case we want to change our mind and back out of what we you know want to do or what we feel like we want to do or if things don't work out the way that we want them to or maybe you're like I've been to big church for three months and there is no single men there that I want to date you're like well maybe the church down the street has them I'm telling you today that you need to plan roots here if God's called you here and, and be present and find out what, what God has called you to in this season. It's so important to serve your local church, be with your local pastors, and have them as accountability in your life. Because uh, the people in the community that God provides through the local church are the people that are going to tell you about yourself. Um, they're the people that are going to tell you when you're, when you're off course. They're the people that are going to encourage you when you're down. Um, but none of that will happen, and you'll never experience um, the fruit of having that community until you just really get your roots deep uh, where you are. Um, the third thing for me uh, that I really needed as a young uh, woman before finding my husband was I really needed accountability. Um, I struggled just like anybody else in this room. Just because I gave my heart to Jesus did not mean that I did not have some serious struggles along the way. Didn't mean that I didn't still have some love for some sins and some things that I had been involved in in my life. And so I needed accountability to talk to people when I felt low. I needed accountability when I felt like going back to people who were really comfortable to me. Uh, Before meeting Ryan, I really loved the type of guy that was like, you know, had a little bit of Jesus and a lot of the world, you know, because I was like, well, they're really cute and they just have like a little bit of Jesus. And so like, you liked holy and hood. No. And here's what holy and hood means. Ready? <laughs> no. Pray no. with me, but don't play with me. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Holy and hood. It's the same thing. Yeah. Well, right. I don't love the terminology, but sure. So because <laughs> I'm sure. there. So, like, they looked good, and that, <laughs> yeah. So they looked good, and they sounded good, but they weren't living right, and they reminded me of who I was before Jesus made me new. And even though Jesus had made me new, and I was walking my life out as a new creation, that reminder of the person that I was, and that shame, and that they would fuel those insecurities and those things, and I sickly was attracted to things that made me feel comfortable. And so what happens when you're not doing and living right and and walking with God and giving him everything and walking in wholeness is that you'll go back to things that remind you of who you used to be and you'll settle in your dysfunction. Um, And so my accountability in my life as a young adult was so important to me. I had all kinds of accountability. I had my sister who I just told everything to because I knew that she loved me and couldn't get rid of me and had to listen to me. Um, I had a friend um, that was a little bit a stage ahead of me where she had already been engaged and she had already walked through some of the things that I had walked through. Um, And then I had my pastors who were a very important part of the role of me and Ryan dating. Um, I remember, this is sad and funny, um, but I remember that when Ryan was uh, pursuing me, he was like really respectful of me and he like would barely kiss me when we were dating and it would make me really angry. And um, I had never like dated somebody who wasn't like, you know, like let's just do what we want. And so he was really restrictive and I was like, you say so you hate me, but like you want to marry me? Like I could not, like I was so prone to dysfunction. Jedi mind tricks. Yeah. <laughs> That's how you get them boys. Yeah. That's how you get them boys. It's <laughs> not how you get them. But I remember going to my pastors crying. This, and like during worship, there was like an altar call moment. I was like, 
I just, I just don't think he loves me. He won't even kiss me. Like I, I now it's like hysterical looking back because I'm so lame that that's like what I was worried about in the moment. Um, but he wouldn't affirm me the way that other relationships used to affirm my weakness, and um, he wouldn't give me that. Uh, you know, I'm. You know oh, I'm so attracted to you and that's all I want from you and that's all I wanted to hear because that's all I knew and that's all that felt comfortable. And so he was trying to love me in a godly way, but godly love felt so foreign that it felt not right. And I started self-sabotaging our relationship because I didn't think that I was worthy of the kind of love that he was trying to show me. And so I started telling him things, hoping that he would break up with me because I thought, surely if he knows the real me, if he gets to the core of where I've been, what I've done and I remember and there's a chapter in my book and where it talks about shame where I just laid everything out before you in my grandma's basement remember and um, I thought I'm gonna sit here and tell him every wrong thing I've ever done at that point we had already decided we were getting married but I, I thought I'm gonna do this and he's gonna run and then I don't have to worry about this love and this this concept and like trying to receive this godly thing anymore. I can just go back to what I know, which is dysfunction, which is, you know, lust, which is frustration, which is emptiness. Like I, I literally wasn't thinking that, but I was self-sabotaging our relationship and trying to do that. And so I told him everything. And at the end of it, I was like, just waiting for it. Like, all right, you ready to go now? Like you ready to you know, take the exit. Did you keep the car running? Um, <laughs> and, uh, and I remember he was just, he just looked at me and he was like, you know, I love you and nothing you just told me changes the way that like, I, I'm going to cry. Oh God. Um, nothing that you told me changes the way that I view you. And so, all right, you take it because I can't, I can't even finish. I, I only cry when I'm pregnant. I'm so sorry. <laughs> It's That's true. 60% true. It's true. <laughs> Not, um, she cries a lot all the time, which is fine. Because um, yeah. I probably don't cry nearly as much as I should. Um, so Lindsay has like a, a, you know, kind of a, a colored background. And mine was actually really, really leave it to beaver. It was, you guys know that show? It's a black and white TV show, um, and everything went right. Um, that's just kind of how it was. I listened to my dad, because I was afraid of him. Um, I listened to my mom, because I was afraid of her, too. And uh, we went to church every Sunday for everything. I went to youth group. I've been saved since I was seven. Um, so I went to Christian school my, almost my entire life until my dad let me get a taste of public school, 7th through 10th grade, where I went buck wild. Yep. <laughs> and I didn't understand what uh, true freedom was about. And then I got kind of got a hold of my life again um, when I was in my uh, early 20s, for real. Like, he really got a hold of my life. And upon meeting Lindsay, I had many failed relationships because I was the guy, and I know someone in here can relate to this, if not some of you, all of you. I was the guy who was like, oh my God, Ryan, you're like a brother to me. <laughs> so I've been friend zoned for my entire life. And so at this point with Lindsay, I was just willing to shoot any shot, <laughs> you know, and hopefully it goes in, right? So I was always that guy. Uh, you're just such a nice guy, you know? And like, I had a girl tell me one time, she said, you're literally too nice. And like, when I'm like 35 and I'm single, I'll marry you. I will yeah. say, yeah, the girl that introduced me to Ryan was my friend. I actually took my friend's ex-boyfriend, which is a whole other thing. But um, don't do it that way. But um, she said to Over me... Oversharing. <laughs> <laughs> Too much information. She said to me, this is a year before I had even met Ryan. She said to me... We apologize. There's this you're not guy. watching this. <laughs> she said, there's this guy, Ryan. He's just too good of a guy. And I thought... Can I have him? <laughs> and so I was the really nice guy. Um, and, you know, you just kind of walk through the nice guys, finish last. And, like, my whole teenage years, I had glasses and braces. So, and I was awkwardly skinny. 
Um, so there was just a lot of things going on there. I didn't have any acne, thank the Lord, but it just was weird for me. And But I always was taught by my dad that you need to respect the woman that you're loving and you need to respect all women. And so my dad uh, instilled in me just very, like, before I get into my three points, there's nothing wrong with a guy holding the door open for a girl. Okay? Like, I know that it's weird, and it's like, oh, man, chivalry is dead. No, it doesn't have to be. And just because society tells you that it's weak or it's weird, I don't care what society says. Society says a lot of things. You can still hold the door open for your lady. You can still do all the things that you're supposed to do. When my wife calls me, I say, yes, ma'am, sometimes. Not because, not because she's my mom, but because I respect her. I love her. Do you know what I'm saying? And so there's just a lot of things that I grew up doing. My dad was in the military, so he was very adamant about things like that and so um as I as I grew and I you know had a bunch of failed relationships that didn't work out um I finally you know just said God I'm just gonna give this portion of my life to you and uh these are as I walked through that season I met Lindsay and she changed my life um she has made me so much more bolder than I've ever been in my life. I was the guy who would like let people like walk all over me and I'd be like, you know, it's okay. Jesus tells us to turn the other cheek, <laughs> you know? And like now I'm more prone to like cut somebody. That's just where I'm at now, you know? And it's probably because my kids have taken all of my patience away. So, but, um, as I look back on where I was and the things that I was doing in preparation for my wife, I came up with three things, and I hope they make sense to you. The first thing that you need to do as a single person or a person looking to engage in some sort of long-term relationship is prayer constantly. Pray constantly. I know it's like, man, we already know this. This is church. Well, right. But how many of us pray constantly, right? And so I want to read in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16. It says this, uh, rejoice always and pray without ceasing. So you need to pray constantly without ceasing, like pray all the time. Um, when I was single, I needed to pray all the time and I had to pray uh, for certain structure in my life. So here's, here's, some, here's some advice, right? When I was single, if you were a female, when 10 o'clock came, like if you didn't have your shoes on, they were staying in my house, but you weren't because I was kicking you out, right? So like if you like, I didn't get my coat, the door was closed. It's like, you got to come back tomorrow at 9 a.m. My office hours from 9 to 10, <laughs> okay? Like... And so I had to pray that structure over my life, though. I had to pray for what's like, God, what do you want me to do? Because anything, so, because what will happen, the enemy's so slick. When it gets 10.01, then you're like, well, it's 10.01. It's 10.30. It's 11.30. It's 1 p. You know what I'm saying? Like, things slip, right? Because that's all the devil needs. And so I had to pray structure into my life. I had to pray for accountability, what Lindsay said. So I didn't live alone. But I didn't live with someone that wasn't going to keep me accountable either. Because a lot of people are like, well, I don't live alone. I have someone accountable to me. Do you? Because they're making the same mistakes that you're trying to get out of. So I, so I had someone that I knew was going to keep me accountable who was living with me. So if I did something stupid, I was like, hey, man, bro, uh-uh. That's not the move. That's not what you should be doing. That's not what you should be saying. You shouldn't have her here. Uh-uh. It's 10 o'clock. You need to get her on. You know, I had to pray that kind of structure into my life. So the spiritual takeaway from that is I want you to stay in constant communication with the author and the finisher of your faith. You need to. You need to stay in constant communication with God always and forever. Um, and as you pray, you need to ask God, what is your will for my life? Because as you pray for God's will in your life, then things start to line up and you start to sacrifice. You say, you know what? I want to do this, but I'm not going to do this because that's not God's will for my life. And in his perfect will, he will provide the perfect person for you if you pray the will of God over you. The next thing, um, for practically speaking, what does praying without ceasing look like? Just pray every day for yourself. Pray for strength. It's super practical. God, I'm not strong enough to do this thing called life by myself. I need you. And then you can start getting a little bit uh, prophetic. You can start praying for your future spouse. God, I pray for my spouse. I pray that she is fine. God, I pray that she is smart. Like, God, I pray that she, it, like, listen, I prayed for certain things in Lindsay. I said, God, I pray for a woman who's going to hold me accountable, 
who's not going to let me slack off because I can tend to be a little bit lazy. Sometimes I tend to go off into a tangent and I forget what I'm doing. I need a woman that's going to keep me focused. God, and could you make her a really, really, really good singer? There she is. Like, I got what I prayed for and um, it, it just worked out. And I believe this. If you pray in all of those areas that they're protected by the blood, even pray for your future children. Like the decisions that you make now also affect your children. I have to make really good decisions in my single life because they can affect my children down the road. If I don't make really good decisions now, then it's going to affect what's happening with them later on in the future. And so uh, I need to pray for them and I need to pray that they're protected by the blood. And I need to pray that my mind is protected by the blood. And then also understand that as you pray, God directs your path. So you don't have to go to a different church to find someone who's single that you like because God will direct them to you because they're following God and God will direct you to them because they're following God. That's how it works. Can I tell you our first date? Our first date was at B-dubs. It's true. And I told her that that night, I said, I like you and I want you to be my girlfriend. True. And she said, yes. And the guy who was used to being friend zoned, like I'm looking over at my little Jiminy Cricket, like I can't believe that worked. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I was just as shocked as she was. I'm still living in shock. <laughs> I'm like, I can't believe she stayed, right? So um, the next thing that I would say that you need to do is make your mind up. You need to make your mind up. Um, there's nothing wrong with having uh, non-negotiables about things that you want in a spouse. Uh, you know, like don't marry someone that's not going to be compatible to you just because they look great. That doesn't make sense. Right. You need to marry someone who's compatible with it th and they value the things that you value. Yeah. Don't marry someone who doesn't value the things that you value. Right. More importantly, don't marry someone who doesn't value you. Right. If they don't value your opinion, then they probably aren't ever going to value your opinion. Yeah. So you need to find someone that you really, really like and you need to make your mind up of what you really, really like. Watch what Romans 12 and 2 says. It says, do not conform to the patterns of this world. But watch this. Be transformed by the what? Come on. The renewing of your mind. And so when you were single and when you weren't following God, you had this idea of what you wanted in a spouse. And then as you grew and you matured and then you let God direct your path, what happens? Then you say, God, you actually want something completely different for me. And I want exactly what you want for my life. And so as I want those things in my life, now I'm beginning to shift my mind. I'm beginning to shift exactly what I want. And I'm saying, God, I want what you want for my life. Watch this. Here's a spiritual takeaway. The battle for your mind is constant. Yeah. Wow. Always. There are so many things that play in your mind. And the Bible is clear about taking every thought captive. Yeah. If you think about young men, if you think about women in a certain way, it's going to affect every single relationship that you try to have. And I'm not just talking about desiring their physical flesh. I'm talking about how you view your mother. If you view your mother a certain way, it can affect your relationship. If you had a mom who wasn't huggy with you, who didn't nurture you, and you view that as, well, you know, I got to do, th that could affect you. You need to change your mind about how you view everything. Because if you go into these things, I'm telling you, if you and I'm not saying we're not going to go into things like we're, there's still broken areas in my life that still need put back together. Thank God for the blood, right? Thank God for his grace, right? There's still those areas, but I need to be a whole complete person before I get into a relationship with a whole other complete person. And our mind represents our focus, right? It represents our focus. And I want you to get this. If the enemy can get you to focus in on what you don't have instead of who you do have, you're going to always chase what you don't have. So I see people all the time who are always constantly crying about being single. I remember I was one of those people crying about being single. Man, I just wish I had somebody to hold me. Man, I wish I had somebody to be with me every single day of my life. And then you get married and you're like, man, don't you got something to do today? Listen, my wife looks at me all the time. She's like, uh, go cut the grass. I'm like, we live in an apartment. We ain't got no grass. Apartment, right? Like, it's just, it's funny what we pray for and what we want. And then it actually happens. And we're like, man. And so uh, 
and we need to focus on who we do have, and he will send things like distractions. The enemy will always send distractions to you. You'll always get caught up. I heard a guy say this, and it was so great. He's like, we're all running a race. We're all running a race. And if the person that you think that you want to be with stops you from your race, then you need to pass them up. I know. I didn't say it. So you can. I didn't say it. I didn't coin it. But because I don't know the original author, I'm going to pretend like it's mine. Is that fair? Okay. So if you're running your race and the person that you would be with stops you from running your race, you need to pass them up. Um, because when you find a mate, they should be running in the same direction at the same speed as you. And then you look over from your lane into their lane and say, oh, we're going the same way, in the same pace, at the same direction, at the same time. You want to link arms and do life together? Let's go. But if you got to go stop on the sideline and holler at the cheerleaders, because that's usually all, there are, all they are. They see you in the moment. And they stop you for, oh, you're so fun. And then you go over and then you stop. And then next thing you know, you didn't wasted time from your destiny running your race. And you're distracted. And now you've wasted time. Now you got to get back to the starting line. You got to go back. And now you got to try to catch up with where you need to be. Right? So um, distractions can incarcerate your mind. They can imprison your thoughts. And they can captivate your freedom. And ultimately, they can shape what you believe. Your focus can shape what you believe about people. And so you need to focus in on the things of God. The last thing, because I want to go, I want to quick, quickly get there. This is practically speaking. Um, you can quote scriptures over yourself. Quote some scriptures over yourself. How do you do that? Quote scriptures over yourself. Um, focus more outwardly on others. Uh, a lot of times when we have lack in our lives, the best way to not focus in on lack is to serve someone else. I don't have a boyfriend. So what? Go serve on Sunday. I don't have a girlfriend, so what? They're doing a community outreach event. Maybe if you're out there doing a community outreach event, you might meet somebody. I don't know. I'm not saying that that's what happens. I'm just saying that that could happen. What I'm saying is if you're busy about God's business, he'll be busy about getting in your business, right? So just stay where you are, do what you're doing, serve really hard, and eventually, the Bible says those things that you want. It's, it's, it's in Matthew, right? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek ye, you, you, me, you, us. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness first. And all the extra things that you really want, they're going to come. Because I'm not going to withhold anything from you because I'm your dad. I'm your God. So I'm not going to withhold your spouse from you. I just want you to seek me first. But if I see that you getting married is the, is the number one thing in your life, then maybe we need to recalibrate. Maybe we need to focus in on something else. So um, here's the last thing, because um, I got to move quick. I talk too much. Thank you. I got one fan. Thanks. Appreciate you. Live single like you're married. Just live single like you're married. It's really hard to do that. Um, let me tell you something already. You already are married. The Bible says that you are the bride of Christ. So live single like you're married already, right? So there are just some practices that you need to have. So if I want to be a husband, uh, it's essentially this kind of mindset. I can't dress for the job that I have. I have to dress for the job that I want. So I can't dress and act like a single man if I want to be married. I need to carry myself like I'm, I'm ready to get married. Because girls notice, girls notice, listen, babe, how dirty was my apartment? I don't want to don't talk, talk about, about it. <laughs> how dirty was my car? Don't talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. See, and you're like, man, what? A dirty car? That's it? Yeah, it's the small foxes that spoil the vine, the Bible says. Right? It's the little things that actually add up to the big things. Right? So what you need to do is you need to take care of the stuff that you already currently have. We talked about that this morning. Take care of what you already have. Live like you're married, even though you're single. Listen, when, when I was single, I would stay up and go to fourth meal at Taco Bell. Come on, right? I can't do that no more. You know why? Because it gives me gas and I sleep with another person. Right? That's funny. Right? But I can't do that. I can't. There's certain things. I'm being silly. But what I am saying is like, you need to live like you're already married. Do the things that you would already do. Listen, 
Clean your house, guys. Clean it up. A lot of times, the physical manifestation is really a representation of what's going on inside anyway. So when your house is dirty, probably your house is dirty. Hello. So you just need to just make sure everything's clean. Get everything tidied up. Live like you're a married man. And then I guarantee you, I guarantee you that woman of God that you've been waiting on is going to uh, be around. Here's a spiritual takeaway. You already are considered the bride of Christ and you need to live pure. Pure is a really hard word. Pure doesn't mean virgin, by the way, because there's a lot of there's a lot of impure virgins. Okay, what I mean by pure is your mindset. The way you view everything needs to be pure. You need to have a pure outlook on life. You need to uh, rest in purity. And uh, I, that, those are my three points for today. I don't have any more time because Mindy will kill me. So <clears throat> come on up. Um, and I think we're going to do a Q&A. You want to ask questions of us? Yep. Uh-oh. All right. Are you ready? I am not. So. You are not. Well, no. we're going to start a little white and, and go from there. Does that sound good? Oh, perfect. You perfect. get one light question. Yeah. And we're going to start and like, I think and then this we're going to turn it up. question could be answered by either of you. So why are women so moody? <laughs> so wisdom tells me, pass that on to my wife. <laughs> pass. <laughs> pass. Uh, nope. I got to drive three hours with this woman. <laughs> Out of your mind. That's a three-hour conversation. All right. I, I mean, women are moody because we feel all the things, right? Yeah. I mean, I do. So, um, I mean, unless you're just not an emotional girl, which is also okay because I moody. used to not be. I'm moody. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Ryan is moody, too. Yeah, um, I'm moody. But yeah. I, I think women are moody because we feel all the things. And, and that's why God made... But God made us that way, and that's okay. okay. But under the Holy Spirit, it's okay. So we got to, like, you know, be moody with, with, the, with the fruit of the Spirit. So, you know, and not cut somebody. It's good. Okay, now we go deep. Okay. How far is too far? Heavy petting. Yeah. Heavy petting. Anything that you wouldn't want. If, if you can't do it in front of someone else, then stop it. Yeah, I agree. And I would also like to say, I think it depends. Like, if you've had sex before, then, then you're probably going to struggle a lot harder than someone who hasn't. And that, that's where Romans 12 and 2 comes in. You yeah. have to change how you think. Hold right. every thought captive. That's what you have to do. Um, and I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying that at all. But heavy petting, 100%. If you are engaged in any kind of motion where it's too much, like, and you know, and then you got to know your limitations, bro. Right. Like, sis, like, you guys got to know. Like, if you're going to do, if you're like, I can't even hold your hand. I have a girl right now who we know, we love her so much. She says, I won't even hold his hand or kiss him because I know what that does for me. Now, it doesn't do nothing for him. He's a nerd. He don't get it, right? <laughs> but she gets it, and that's her limitation. And so you just have to know. You have to, be, you have to be willing to be honest with yourself. Exactly. I think that's really what it is. Be honest. Like, I can't handle this right now. And then if that's the case, quit playing around with that engagement stage. Quit being engaged for seven okay. years. <laughs> like, if that's the deal and you're ready to get married, then quit playing around. Figure out, it, it, it takes me three seconds to figure out if I actually like a person and want to have a conversation. So you mean to tell me you can't formulate a decent relationship in three months and tell if you really, really want to pursue something? Get out of here. You make harder decisions on the toilet. Let's get real. Like, I'm serious. Just quit playing around. Just ser I'm serious, man, just quit playing around. And if you want to get married, like, be real about your intentions. Be honest with yourself and be honest with the other person. Sorry, I'm not angry. I just want you to get it. Smoothie. <laughs> I love it. All right, so what do you do when someone wants to have sex and the other shuts it down? What, what should, which one do? Because there's a lot of ways this can go. If she says no, then that means no. <laughs> okay, and so that's what that means. Um, Wait, I don't. What, which one? She says no. It still means yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I think I need to oh, hear I don't it see again. That what do you do when someone Doubt wants it. to have sex yeah. 
and the other shuts it down. So yeah, I think that if you're at that point in your relationship, you have should have already had a conversation about what boundaries you guys have in your relationship. So if you already know you're not going to have sex, then that shouldn't even be a problem. So that really shouldn't be a conversation that you have to have. But maybe if you're in that position and someone's asked you to have sex, you don't want to, then you need to go back because you missed a step and set up the boundaries of your relationship and then keep moving forward. Don't put yourself in awkward situations either where it's, there's, I mean, I'm a, I'm, anybody ever take the Enneagram before? Right, okay, so I'm a four, so mood is everything for me. So if you understand moods, right, don't put yourself in the moods that can kind of foster that behavior, right? If you're like, I don't need to be alone with you, then you need to be in public. Hang out with grandma. Like that's, that's what we did. That's yeah. what we did. Hang out with grandma. Like, well, that's what we're going to do until this thing is right. So don't put yourself in situations where that can even be a, a conversation. Right. I guess. All right. I know we're supposed to treat everyone with kindness, but as a single person, how do you prevent friendliness from coming off as flirting? Okay. You want me to answer I don't know. You're looking at me. You're, you look like you're alley-ooping me right now. Well, no, I just, <laughs> no. Um, there's always going to be people that take, in the church world, this is not in the normal world. Hey, isn't that very nice? <laughs> in the church world, unfortunately, if you're nice, people will take that as flirty. I don't know why it's just in the church like that, but it is because people are looking to find somebody. And Desperate. So they're hoping, just yeah. kidding. They're kind of hoping that if you're being really nice, um, that you are interested in some senses. And so I don't think you need to change who you are because someone is taking it the wrong way. Unless you're being a flirt, then you know you're being a flirt and stop because that's tacky. Um, But if you're just a nice person... If you're just a nice person and people are taking you wrong, that's not your responsibility that other people are, are hoping that you like them. You need to be who God's called you to be, which is a kind person who's walking in the fruit of the Spirit. Um, but yeah, don't be trifling either and don't be flirting with everybody. Yeah. Here, here's, <laughs> here's something for the ladies. Okay, You know this guy. Don't look at him if he's in here. Don't look at the guy who's in here, but anytime a guy's like, hey, sis, and he's like, and you give him a hug, and then he's like, hey, give me a good hug. (laughs) Every hug that I give you is good, bro, okay? Don't ask me for a good hug. You get this side hug, right? That's where it is, so that's just some advice. Look out for the creepy guy. Good. Don't know if he's in here or not. Love you, buddy. Okay. A lot of people think they do ev- that that they can do everything besides sex. That they're still p- pure. Do you think you're still pure? No. Again, pure is not pure is not sex. First off, sex was created by God, so like anything taken out of context in the marriage bed is considered to be you know, not good. It's not, it's not what God intended. Um, I think when you push things too far, I think it invites, it it invites everything else in. So, uh, purity is a mindset. It's a state of being. It's not what you're doing. It's how you are. Do you know what I'm saying? So if, if someone calls you, uh, man, you're such a prude. So what? Who cares? Like I'm waiting on my husband. I'm waiting on my wife. And here's the other part. The more times you do something, you cheapen it. If I kiss you all the time, when we're married, I won't want to kiss you because it's cheap to me now. When we're, if we're kissing all the time when we're dating and then we're like, okay, well, we need to figure out something else to express our love. It's because we've cheapened the cool parts about dating. We've cheapened holding hands. Like, we've cheapened that. Like, so don't cheapen those things. Those things are valuable resources that you can use to get out of arguments with your wife. Moving along, (laughs) how do we know if it's in our plan to be in a relationship or marriage? Like your cell phone plan? 
<laughs> That's how she got me, by the way. That's how I knew I had to marry her. She was like, put me on your cell phone plan. I'm like, here it is. Here it goes. <laughs> That's true. My life we is over. Soon. <laughs> just kidding. Um, how do you know if it's in the plan to just be in a relationship with that person versus actually marrying the person? Plan to be in a relationship slash marriage. Okay. Yeah, I think that if you have a desire for marriage that God created you to have a partner. Um, you know, I think a lot of people, I, you know, when I went to ministry school, there was a lot of, like, people that were like, I'm just going to marry God. And I was like, okay. Um, <laughs> good for you. That's awesome. Yeah, no, it was just two girls. But anyways, they're married now. Um, I always knew that I wanted a partner to do life with. I always knew that I wanted to have kids, uh, mixed kids per uh specifically, and I got them. And, uh, but I think that if that desire is in your heart to have a relationship, to have a marriage, that that really, that desire was put in you by God. And so he's not going to leave you hanging. It might not happen in your timing. Um, but the timing will happen, um, according to his will. And so I know that sucks to hear because you just want it to, the timing to be now, but sorry, it's not, <laughs> not yet. How can you trust someone after dealing with sexual abuse? Yeah, um, so you don't. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, so after dealing with some sexual abuse in my life personally, it started for me when I was 14 years old. So I was 14 having um, sexual relationships with someone who is older than me. Um, now that I'm th almost 30, looking at my 14-year-old youth girls, I just get sick to my stomach thinking about where they are in their minds, their hearts, their emotions, that someone at that age could never possibly understand or comprehend the things that I went through at that age. Um, and so I think that moving forward, what I had to do um, is like I was talking about is allow God to renew my mind in the area of sex because for me sex equaled love and no matter what I did to try to reverse that thought or try to approach new relationships differently when I didn't have sex then I knew I wasn't loved and I couldn't get out of that cycle until I met my husband um, in the years leading up to because it was just such a foreign concept that someone would be able to love me without me giving something in, 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 re in regards to that. Um, and so you have to renew your mind. You have to be in your word. You have to let God change the way that you see men. You have to allow God to change the way that you, that you view sex. You have to allow God to help you through really bad habits that you might have. And you have to let the Holy Spirit just change your outlook so that he can help you to accept what real love is. And I'm not going to lie to you guys. It was uncomfortable to me, even in the beginning of our marriage, to have pure godly sex because it was a foreign concept. I only knew shame that followed. I only knew regret that followed. I only knew sorrow that followed. I only knew what I felt like I was supposed to do, even though it wasn't right, even though it wasn't godly. It was so embedded in my mind that I literally had to pray in the beginning years of our marriage to renew how I approached our sex life so that I could approach it and be like, wow, I don't have to feel shame after this. I'm married. Like I'm allowed to do this. I'm allowed to just be who I am with my husband in the confinements of our marriage. And so it comes with a lot of prayer, again, a lot of accountability, vulnerability, being honest with yourself and allowing God to change the way that you approach that. So sorry if that's too much information, but so good. So good. Okay. From a Christian perspective, what is the purpose of marriage, and are there prerequisites to fulfill first? It's a good question, Mindy. Very great question. Very well put. I'm really proud of that. Love that. Yeah, everything that we do should point back to the cross. Our lives, how we live, how we raise our children, everything should point back to Jesus. Marriage should point back to Jesus. Hands down, if it doesn't point back to Jesus, it's not really fulfilling its true nature, in my opinion. Um, prerequisites, I guess, uh, before getting married. Uh, yeah, I think like the, the only one is like in, to have a healthy, sustainable marriage, in my personal opinion, is to make sure 
that you're fully submitted to God in all areas if you can. And that's really tough, right? None of us are truly submitted because, right, like we say, Jesus, you're the king of my life. It's like, yeah, but like only parts of it, though. Okay? And so, like, be submitted to God. I think that's the only prerequisite. Um, and obviously, you have, to be, um, <laughs> you have to be the right age. You can't get married at 14 uh, unless it's legal in some states. I don't know the rules everywhere. But, um, you, I mean, obviously, you have to follow the rules and the guidelines of where you are. But, and, and just ultimately be submitted to Christ. I think that's really, really it. Is that, is that too simple of an answer? I'm really black and white, so <laughs> sorry. So what's the hardest part about marriage? I just got this uh, question in the bathroom, and I said everything. Um, Who asked you that in the bathroom? <laughs> I don't what? know where she's at. I don't know where she is, but yeah. That um, is deep conversation <laughs> on the potty. And I said everything. Can you imagine that, fellas? <laughs> like we're at the urinal. And well, it goes, we were hey, doing bro. our hair. It's the hardest stage of marriage. Um, I would say the hardest thing about marriage um, is letting someone see all of you and everything that's wrong with you all the time. Um, Just like my book, Unmask, I got really good at being able to put out what I wanted people to see of me and to show them how much I love Jesus and how, you know, I was doing this and doing that and marrying Ryan made me see every imperfection of myself up close. And he began to call me out on things that I hated, like, Hey, you care what people think a lot. And Hey, you just did that for like applause. And It was hard to hear those things because I was in denial and I thought, no, I'm not. I'm doing this because I love Jesus and I am worshiping like this. and I pray like this and this is how I live my life. And he was like, no, you're you're just doing that because you think you have to. And um, so we had to mirror each other and kind of show each other um, what was wrong with each other. I don't know how else to say it, Uh, but it hurt, right? It hurt and it has made us so much better, but it's it's a constant journey because we're always changing and God's always changing and things in our lives are um, always being pulled out of us and and God's always showing us new things that he needs to change in our lives so that's the hardest part (laughs) okay do you have any relationship advice for a young couple pursuing ministry yeah (laughs) that was it (laughs) Um, well as one, if you're, it, it depends, right? So if you're marrying a person who's doing ministry, but you're not in it, you need to make sure that that person's cool with what that means. Because I've seen a lot of guys or girls who are good at ministry, but their spouses are not about that life. And then they end up walking away from ministry completely because they don't have the support that they need. So you need to make sure that you're equal in that and understand like, hey, like, you don't have to do ministry with me, but I do need your support. And I do need you to, to love what I'm doing as well and be engaged. Um, <clears throat> the other thing, I think, if, this, if you're both doing ministry, um, discuss what your values are in ministry. Um, what you One, what you actually want to do. Because um, ministry is such a fluid word nowadays. Ministry, the local church is like the place to be but you can do ministry outside of church too uh you can do things um so it just it's all about what it looks like and what that means for you you need to have those open discussions about what you want to do what you value what kind of church you want to land in and understand that those things i was just talking to people about this understand that things about what you value will change as your life does when i was 21 i didn't value uh, a lot of the things that I value today. Now I'm like, oh, what's your kids program like in your church? Because I got kids now, right? What, uh, what about women's ministry? Do you got uh, my wife? I wasn't married before, so I didn't care about women's ministry because I was thinking about me. But now I'm like, hey, what's that like? Can my, is my wife going to be able to be a part of, the, of this house? Is this going to be one of those atmospheres where everything's run by men? I don't appreciate that. You know what I'm saying? So there, is there going to be diversity? That's important, right? Like, it's important, like, maybe not to everybody, but, like, to me, it's important. Hello. (laughs) It's important, right? I need to know that, like, 
not only is my, my color people going to be invited, but also my culture. Yeah. Hello. Tough topics. Moving on. Yeah. Sorry. Good. Sorry, Mindy. Love you. How do you approach someone you like? Well, hey. <laughs> I'm good for this one. Hey. I just asked Ryan out. So I, like, I'm a very bold person, and that's actually how we ended up on our first date on February 15th, seven years ago, hey. is that I saw him in the mall. I had gotten hey. his number. Okay, that's enough. And, um, hey. and I just said, do you want to go on a date, right? Hey. Okay. So, yeah, I think you should be bold. And if you get shot down, I'm sorry, but you might not. And then you might get married. So, right? <laughs> I don't know if this is right to say at all. I guess be yourself, but not all of yourself. Like, like in time. Explain. Explain let me, let me ca capture that in real time. Okay. So, be who you are, but stop telling everyone everything immediately. Wow. Hi, I'm broken. How are you? <laughs> right? Like, chill, okay? Like, leave some room for imagination. Um, and then, like, as you get deeper into the relationship, then you can be able to reveal those things because you don't ever want to cast pearls before the swine. <laughs> Right? You want to make sure that you're being wise. Now, I'm not saying you're lying to people. You're not hiding everything. Right. But there are pieces about my life that you will never know. And that's not because you're bad people or because I'm dishonest. There's just certain things that my wife will only know because that's where we are. And then as you're developing that relationship. So be you. Just don't be all of you. Okay. Okay, last question. Sorry, that, that makes sense, I don't think. How do you overcome shame from, personal, from your personal expectations and things from the past? Yeah, so I think it's really important. Um, you know, the enemy uses shame to walk you right out of what God's called you to do. He uses the shame. He uses the memories he uses your old story. He uses your old self. He, he tries to constantly remind you of who you used to be, of how much you didn't do right, of where you missed the bar. He, shame is literally there to walk you right out of the calling of God on your life. And I knew when I was walking into a relationship with my husband, um, all I could see was my record. All I could see was my history. All I could see was my brokenness. All I could see was my scars, my wounds. And I kept thinking, this is so frustrating that I have to come with all of this. And I feel like he comes you know, with this like clean slate. And it was so frustrating. The enemy would constantly make me feel shameful and constantly, constantly try to make me feel like I wasn't enough or make me feel like I could never be a pastor's wife or I could never be a mom or I could never be in ministry because of all of the bad or shameful things that I've walked through. And so, um, you know, I had to go to God and I had to unmask and I had to get real about the things I was actually feeling shame over, um, which was a lot of really dark things in my past. And I had to bring those to God and allow him to heal my heart for real. Um, and that healing took place over several years. Um, but that by the time I had met Ryan, I was still walking in my healing process, but I was definitely on the further side uh, of that. And then I was able to love him and I was able to be in a relationship with him. And it, by renewing my mind, I, able, I was able to get to a point where I thought, I actually deserve this type of love. I actually deserve a godly marriage. I actually deserve a family that's sold out to whatever it is that God has for our life. And I had to get to a place where I really believed that I deserved it and got rid of the shame. And if you're in here in this room and you have a past and, you, and people know about your past and you know about your past, it is time to give that baggage to God. Because if you keep holding on to it, 
You're going to just carry it with you in every season. You'll end up losing jobs over it. You'll end up losing opportunities over it because people will look at you and they will believe in you and they will see the gold in you. But all you're going to do is say, here's my baggage. Here's everything that I come with. You're going to disqualify yourself if you don't deal with the shame that's in your life. And so I encourage you to take that to the cross tonight. And I hope that as we pray with you that that you guys will be set free from any shame, from anything in your past, and you can move forward and have healthy, God-given relationships in your life. So, We hope you enjoyed this message on the My Big Church podcast. We thank everyone who has given to support this ministry. To find out more about how to support financially or more about Big Church, you may visit our website, mybigchurch.com. If you live in the Louisville, Kentucky area and don't have a church home, we would love to have you as our guest at Big Church. We are located at 7209 Faganbush Lane in Louisville, and we have worship services at 945 and 1130 every Sunday. Thank you again for listening to the My Big Church Podcast.